Hello, everybody. This is Tony Ruggiero here. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening to The Tour Coach. We're rolling through another crazy summer right now, another crazy season. There's lots of golf, lots of guys playing, lots of camps, lots of retreats, lots of travel. You know what that means? means lots of great content coming to you. So thank you, whether you're a golf instructor, like so many folks that reach out and listen to this podcast, or you're an aspiring golfer, somebody just loves learning about the game, loves learning about how to get better. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Tour Coach, because we've got lots of great content coming for you, okay? And if you like the Tour Coach, you're going to love pro work on YouTube. I want to remind all of you, if you haven't seen it, go to Bushnell Golf on YouTube or go to at the Dew Sweeper on my YouTube channel and listen to, watch, Inside the Ropes, Behind the Scenes with myself, Colby Touye, Mark Hackett, and a host of others. And you'll see what it's like to be a player of all different abilities and watch how our team approach goes behind the scenes, inside the ropes to find out exactly what the magic that your golf swing needs to pick up 10, 15, 20 yards or lower your handicap or get all the way out onto the PGA Tour. It's all there for you on Pro Work, just like it is here on the Tour Coach. So thanks for listening. We've got some great content coming. We've got some great discussions, some great roundtables, and some great guests coming your way this summer and this season here on the Tour Coach. And I couldn't do this Tour Coach without the following sponsors. They've been loyal to me. I'm loyal to them. I think it's one of the missing things in instruction and in our world, people that stick together. And I think that's why we've all had so much success. I've got to thank the folks at Bushnell Golf for their support and their sponsorship of this show, my teaching, as well as the Pro Work Series, Vineyard Vines and the folks there. Unbelievable. They keep all the dew sweepers looking good. Myself, as good as you can, and all of the folks at our retreats, and especially Shrixon and Cleveland Golf, Chip Holcomb, Eddie Dry, and all of the folks there. I mean, we couldn't do it without it. It's over 20 years I've been with Shrixon Cleveland Golf. I'm not going anywhere without that mason prang and the folks over there in california take such good care of us they've got the best product that you can find anywhere so special thanks to shrixon cleveland golf and then finally my good friend mitch mcconnell and the folks at mcconnell automotive buick gmc here in mobile and buick gmc for sponsoring the radio and everything that we've been going on for all of these years so we've got great sponsors we've got great partners And we're going to give you great content that's going to help all of you play better, enjoy the game better, or understand how to teach it and communicate it better. Sit back, get yourself a beverage, and enjoy the tour coach. And then when you get a chance, go check out Pro Work on my YouTube. You'll be glad you did. One of the good guys in the golf instruction business, and he's also in charge of our fantasy football league, which... Man, I'll tell you what, I took an ass kicking last year in that, but I'm, I'm yeah, vowing to come back. I'm vowing to come back stronger this year. I learned last year not to draft the whole Saints team, which I'm a season ticket holder. That was probably not the smartest decision I've ever made, but, uh, Nick Clearwater, golf magazine, top 100 teacher, golf digest, top 50 instructor, and one of the all around good dudes. He's also the head of everything at golf tech instruction. Uh, Nick, what's up, bud? Thanks, man. No, it was fun kicking your ass in fantasy football Thank and you. everybody else's because I usually win that every year anyway. I'm I'm drafting That's a strategy fun. this year. I'm involving my 15 year old, <laughs> Alvin Kamara, round one. <laughs> no, no, I'm not because he's suspended. <laughs> Alvin Kamara, round one. You'll be fine. So look, if anybody's yeah. listening to this podcast this week and you've got some fantasy football suggestions for me against Nick Clearwater, DM me. DM me. I need guidance. I finished. I didn't finish last though. 
because I won the consolation. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's going to pay off handsomely for you this year, I'm sure. Oh, Derek Carr, round one. No, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Although I do think he's going to be better than what we had. Well, that's probably true. All right. Yeah, we should talk about some golf. Okay, let's talk golf, although fantasy football has been fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, Look, tons going on, uh, tons going on that you guys have. Uh, uh, Pretty cool watching the growth. Uh, I was actually near one of your locations down there in Jupiter the other day, or not Palm Beach Gardens, driving uh, near there. Uh, You guys had a lot of growth. I'm always amazed – it how two things one how hot golf still is right now i mean i'm traveling all over business is crazy which is a good problem but sometimes you scratch your head and you're like what the hell and then the other though is how the heck do you get all these instructors at golf track tech trained and what can other teachers and what can other golfers learn from the process you figured out to help train these guys yeah, well, a lot of that keeps me up at night because there's a lot of uh, a lot of detail that goes into it. But we've got uh, uh, appreciate the kind words as always too. So we've got 250 golf tech locations all over the world. Uh, about 200 of them are in the U.S. With that, we have 1,200 coaches that are going to teach about 1.8 million golf lessons. Uh, this is the busiest month. Um, of the year for them in August, and they are rocking and rolling because, as you mentioned, golf is hot, and it is unbelievable how hot it still is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we are we are super busy. The coaches are very slammed with uh, with just all the responsibilities of being a prof- professional golf coach. You still have to answer the phone. Still have to book your students so that they you know they're going to come in again. You need to have the interaction and all the interpersonal. Uh, relationship building with all of your students and meanwhile at golf tech centers there's people walking through the door the phone is ringing all the time so we're trying to get um, at our headquarters here we're trying to always make it as easy as we can for the coaches and help them out with everything that can make their day easier and i'd say if there's one thing that really describes my job my job is essentially to try to make every coach's job easier and the way i can contribute to that is help them find the right answer to the question or be prepared for a scenario that's going to happen throughout the day that uh, they when it happens they already know what to do they're not fishing for an answer how do you how do you find the answers to what what do you do because i think this applies you know i think that if i was a golfer right if i was a, a student i always tell folks like i'd want to go to people that have the answers Right. You know, because I think don't you think that one thing that's frustrated a lot of people and that where people would I mean, how many times do you have somebody say, I don't you know, I don't like take lessons because I mean, I've taken them and they never help me. Right. All the time. Right. All the time. Yeah. And and so, so like, how do you how do you how are we going to convince the public that like your instructors and folks like you and me now have answers? Yeah. So um, great point. Great question. That's always that consumer confidence that you're trying to boost. And we're always doing the best we can with content to help consumers feel good about, you know, just golfers that are going to come in and take lessons. So they know what the experience is going to feel like. It's going to feel warm and welcoming, but they have a coach that this is all they do. They just teach golf. They just fit students for golf clubs. That's all they do. They're not country club pros who are teaching golf as a hobby. And I don't mean <laughs> that is no. in a bad way. It's just, that's it's just what you it is. You have to wear too many hats uh, when you're working golf course style or, or driving range, anything like that. Uh, so the way that we do that is we arm them with how to teach golf. 
96% of people walk into us and say that they slice. Well, we've got to have a pretty simple template to help anybody who slices close the face to the path and hit draws. We spend a ton of time talking about that. And then you have uh, the small 4% that suddenly turns into closer to 50% <laughs> uh, that hit draws very quickly. And then we uh, the secondary education is how do you take people over the face to close the path or swing directions too far to the right and straighten that out. Then we have to do all of that. Uh, I mean, that's like the you know, that's the nuance of teaching is how do you change swing directions, angle of attack, and dynamical off to you have a spin loft that's appropriate and make people swing faster. All the little details still kind of sum up with which way do you curve the ball, and then how do you how do you reduce that or not, and then can you hit the ground in the in a usable spot where you can hit an iron. So we give the basic education of how that works. The way that we give the basic education is the that's the the detail that uh, that every golf teacher needs to know that is really really hard to find. So we measure every single person's swing that's ever walked into any golf deck. We have millions and millions of swings recorded. We also have uh, through a massive investment in our technology, some very cool technology that allows us to take tour players and measure their swings. Now, we do a lot of that with our friends at Gears, mm -hmm. um, and I've got a Vicon system here at the office as well. So we comp our optical motion system. We've got two cameras that run in every single lesson, but we can also take any video feed anywhere ever that's ever been recorded and measure swings in 3D uh, using our proprietary systems for that throughout all that you can start to study now, how does that work hold on let's that, i think do sweepers i think people listen to this would like to know this yeah tell how does this work i i haven't seen this system i i, I, oh, okay. I know you i know you talked a little bit about it the one time i we were i think at pinehurst uh, talk a little bit about it because that's obviously there's tons of 3d stuff right out coming out right now right we yeah. I mean you we talk for hours on that um yeah. and and i think and and i then i want to go like, how do you educate people? Because I, one of the things that's my concern, and I'm not talking about you and your people, but like, yeah. I see a bunch of people with these phones that do 3D stuff, filming people, putting them in it. I mean, they got no clue what they're even looking at and they're trying to help people. Exactly. Right? Well, I mean, we're not wrong on that, here. right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it is so hard to learn how to teach golf, which is kind yeah. of what your question is. So I skipped over our, our optical motion system real quick to try to get to a different answer, but backing up to that. So uh, we have, I mean, we spend a lot of money on R&D so that we can have the best tools for our coaches to teach better golf. And that shortens the runway to offer onboarding so you can get better at it faster, which keeps coaches coach retention high and student retention high because they're getting better information at appropriate times from a professional coach. I mean, all of it makes sense that you'd spend money in your product. That's what gives us such a big advantage over um, like every golf instructor. When you're just one person, you can only spend, I mean, how much money do you want to spend in R&D to try to use a camera to accurately track someone's movement in 3D down to a centimeter or mm -hmm. uh, three degrees on every single video frame? You would love to have that, but you can't it's, afford that because of the amount of money that takes. Well, it's that it's it's only in, exists us. Yeah, I mean, I look. I was I was telling a young instructor the other day, and I think this is one of the like why I would tell a young instructor starting out to go to a place like Golf Tech with you, because look, in my studio. I mean, I got like a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. I mean, and I've been doing it a long time. You and mm -hmm. I've known each other a long time. Like, man, like to do the stuff I got to do, I got to have it. Like, I'm not saying it's fun to pay the note or to pay the bills, right? But like, right. you got to. Right. But like, how many folks that are getting into what you and I do 
can afford to take all that stuff on. Yeah, you can't. That's where we're trying to offer that to people who are just starting out teaching golf or someone who's taught forever. You got some tech that you can't find anywhere else. So the tech I'm specifically describing that makes teaching golf easier is uh, the the way that we we coach right now. We've got a side or down the line camera taking the side view images of a golf swing. We've got a front view camera. The both cameras are synced, uh, and we shoot those at either 120 frames per second or 240, depends on what we want to do it for. We have the lighting synced to the cameras. Uh, the cameras then. Uh, the two different views of video run through a proprietary key point solution, which then allows us to basically put dots on joint segments. And a lot of people have seen uh, key pointing. It's the, the foundation of posed estimation and getting accurate data from, from just images. So we no longer use sensors or um, uh, wires at all. It's purely driven by video. COVID obviously made that something that was a, a huge, important piece for us. So we spent a lot of development time on how can we make these cameras work. So we take these two different camera views, perfectly synced. We key point them so that now you've got 2D key points from two different views of a swing. We've got uh, three PhD biomechanists that uh, essentially their whole job is uh, think of like uh, um, Sasha McKenzie, Dr. Kwan, people who are somewhat infamous in golf biomechanics. We have three people with similar backgrounds, or, or sometimes I'm biased to say they might even have better backgrounds of measuring things mm -hmm. um, in different sports that move fast, only because that's their background. Uh, that They've written software on top of that using biomechanics analysis to make accurate 3D measurements out of these two 2D videos. That software then holds up to the scrutiny of, we've taught about 7 million golf lessons on it, and the data is accurate, reliable, repeatable in a host of different environments because not every golf tech looks and feels exactly the same, regardless of what people wear, regardless of the size that the person is, and we get good data out of that. We've gone much further than that as well, where we can do um, a pretty good analysis on a single camera, but I don't think that product, which was your question, of there are coaches out there using a phone mm -hmm. and measuring in 3D and they don't know what to do with it, that product isn't good yet. Right. I don't think that's the way to use that data. I agree with better that. Ways. And I'm not really going to talk much about that. No, no, no. And I had I had Michael Neff. Michael Neff's been on the on the tour coach here yeah, with me, and we yeah. talked and we talked about that. I think, you know, I think that people have to be careful about using stuff that's not and selling it as truth or whatever you want to say, you know, when it, when it may not be a hundred percent accurate. And I, that's why sure. you know, I respect all the info, info that you get. I mean, one thing, I mean, we have obviously different teaching styles and so forth, but like, man, you, you know, your stuff, you guys work your butt off to make sure it's accurate. I mean, I think cool. that, uh, and, and I think that like you were talking about all the expense that goes into it that you guys have, right. That's different than an app. And then portraying it is that it's a hundred percent accurate, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. The the secret, really, up until now, I say up until now because we've we've made some pretty good headway with some new tech. To have good three D data, you need two cameras minimum to give you the ability to create a three D key point that actually is really accurate. That's okay. very challenging to do out of one camera. Now, our our single camera product uh, that we've been using. The tech behind that is getting good where I'm thinking our single camera may not be that much different than our dual camera measurements right now, but we're still working on that. It's the uh, the productization of the technology is the, the interesting part. 
right now the only 3D systems that I've really seen are, are very uh, descriptive. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of data thrown up. You can see every single frame of video or an avatar or, or a robot or whatever it is. That part has a little sizzle and cool to it, coolness to it. But seeing all this data in of itself is not a product that's super usable, which I think is really the, mm-hmm. the, the crux of your question. What do you do with that? <laughs> well, yeah. then you need the education behind it. So all the apps that measure in 3D currently seem far too descriptive to me. They're not prescriptive in nature. And that's where I think we have um, opportunities still in the whole single camera 3D world. The way that we use data then is... is uh, Kind of back to your very first question of what what did, what is my job? What do I try to do? How do I try to help people get the right answer? So when you can measure um, swings, good players, bad players, every player, in 3D from two camera views, then you can start to measure um, patterns of motion, but mm-hmm. also very clearly say at, uh, when your lead arm's parallel to the ground, the backswing, the average tour player that you see on TV has their hips turned 36 degrees. Doesn't mean they all do, but through measuring and through analysis of hundreds or thousands of videos, we know that that's a that is the average of all of them. Averages are a really good place to start when you're building a foundational model of how to teach, especially if you're using like tour players. Mm-hmm. That enables you to then say, well, on average, 36 degrees of hip turn at this point in the swing probably leads to some really nice shots. It doesn't mean you're, you're going to even <laughs> hit the ball in some ways. You could still miss the ball. But that's how the best players in the game move on average. And then from there, you can get away from averages and move into one and a half standard deviations or one standard deviation of, of all those data points. But that's what we do then is create a model swing from many different points in the swing and many different measurements of the swing, the the rotational measurements people know, like the side bend and the forward and backward bending that you do at your pelvis and your thorax or any joint really, Uh, but also the amount that you turn. So there's the rotational numbers, but then you've got some translational measurements which are helpful, which is the sway, lift, and thrust. So we've got an entire uh, mini model swings built for how you would move yourself around and be a really competent, skilled golfer that had the basic mechanics of a, of a tour-like swing. So if you're following me there, we basically create a PGA Tour average of how you can move around. We train all the coaches to memorize and understand um, all of those tour average locations, and really we ask coaches to know about 72 to 100 numbers. Then we teach them how the patterns of motion move, then we teach them how to problem solve when someone walks in and doesn't hit tour-like shots but wants to hit tour-like shots, which way to move themselves around to not, not get them to be like the PGA Tour mm-hmm. average but use their body in a different way, which changes their swing direction or their face-to-path or their the, the club head speed they're able to use. Let's talk so – go ahead. All of it is built around – yeah, so all of this is built around data. It is not my opinion. If I didn't work for golf tech and didn't do this for a living anymore um, – the next person that came in would have no choice other than to just look at the data and teach golf in basically the same way that I do. And that's uh, that way it's not golf tech isn't me. It's not any other teacher. It's purely data driven based on facts and how people move and problem solving within a model. So let's talk about some of the the movement patterns and, and the things that you found. I think that folks will sure. love hearing this. So, you, you talked about let's talk about and let's let's just talk about turn. Everybody in the world knows I'm a big pivot teacher, so it'd be easy to uh, okay. let's t- like so when you put a tour player up there, 
you talked about hip turn. What do you, what do you find? What are the two or three or four areas like when you talk about a tour player's golf swing versus let's say like a like a five handicap, then a fifteen handicap, and then like a twenty something handicapper? Are there things that you that you see that like you know tendencies or commonalities between those levels that's different? Uh, you know, different compared to the tour player. Sure. So uh, you can do a pretty good correlation to skill based on how people move. Mm-hmm. And by move, I kind of mean the the gross larger segment. So how you move your shoulders, how you move your pelvis, and specifically in the the three D pieces, the turning, tilting, the um, forward, backward bend. Uh, the pattern of motion that most people use that when they're playing well matches what a tour player does. Maybe not the degree or right. how much or how little someone does, but they, if they're supposed to be turning closed, they're not turning open. The worse you get at golf, the more likely you are to have the pattern backwards mm-hmm. or not moving in the right direction. So uh, hip turn, shoulder turn, those are pretty easy for people to, to mm-hmm. understand. The average tour player on TV stands over a ball and he has his shoulders turned eight degrees open relative to his target on average. Then when the shaft's parallel to the ground, that's 42 close. There's 50 degrees of shoulder turn from address until the shaft's parallel to the ground. Not nearly enough teachers understand how much that is or how early that is in the swing. And sometimes you see some faux models that really don't make any sense where people are trying to turn less than that. That's the start of sort of slicing. And when your lead arm's parallel to the ground, 77 degrees of shoulder turn all the way up to your average tour player hitting a seven irons, turning 88 degrees at the top of the swing. So where I see most people go wrong in your scenario of five handicaps, 15s, and 25s, they're turning themselves closed, but they're not doing it nearly enough early enough mm-hmm. just in taking that one metric. Now, how do you figure that out if you're on your own and you're looking at uh, a single camera um, 3D pose estimation model that doesn't have a model in there for you to follow? You have to kind of make up your own. That's mm-hmm. not good. I just <laughs> rattled off the averages. That's what it. That's where I'd start. That's why we start that way. So that's why it becomes so hard to teach golf. There aren't enough models out there that are built around data and actual facts so that you can learn how to teach golf. So then you might walk up and down this range of people using um, uh, apps to measure in 3D or even sensors, whatever it is. And uh, it, you, you'll find a disparity between what coaches think is important, which I probably know because I'm looking at 100 numbers, and depending on the person in front of me, I'll know a good place to start. Um, and then uh, their models will all be different of what they think tour players do because where do you find that information? You really can't. All this of teaching golf is so hard because it has to be a hobby for people. It's really hard to find good influences, so it's incredibly hard to find real measurements of how people play golf on any kind of scale. You might be able to find it in a one-off biomechanics lab or you trip across a model swing that you somehow can measure in 3d but you can't measure every player in 3d it's just really complicated and it's hard we try Mm -hmm. to shorten that learning curve for coaches by giving them a model swing based on data letting them measure swings all day long thousands of thousands of tries every single year and uh, they get good at it because that's the kind of culture that we're we're trying to build here i've always said that like when people operate like uh, when one teacher just uses their models right like the people they see uh, even if it's gears info, 
like their people they teach that on put on gears or their people they teach in the you know on swing cat whatever it is like that that's prejudice cuz like if you put all of mine on there like mm-hmm. there would be some commonalities cuz like I teach every one of those damn people yeah, right right, right? Yeah, yeah. but but like the thing thing that interests me with what you you've done like is so you've got this vast like you got these stores all over the damn place and you got all these people coming in uh, and then you've had tour players come in all different that work with different people and all that. Like, so to me, that's more representative of what an average is versus if we just took the average off of everybody on the gears that went to see one guy in the middle of Texas or something. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. do you agree with that? Yeah, totally. Um, so I might teach, I don't know, I've taught, uh, maybe not a hundred tour players, but a lot of t- different tour players and they all, uh, you kind of give them the, the information they need at that point to play better. You're not trying to make them all swing the same. If I taught them all for 100 years, they might all look exactly the same or really, really close. You'd have small discernible differences. So, yes, you can get some bias in your model if you're just going to measure your own players. If they're all really good, though, then you'd have a pretty functional model or something about how they're moving around and playing golf makes them good at it. But, yes, I, I'm just taking... Hundreds of tour players, whether they've been captured on gears, whether I have video that I can run through our uh, very sophisticated dual camera analysis or single camera analysis, and we're using all those players. So they're not necessarily, and rarely are they people that I've ever taught before that create our model swings. Then, yes, we, we know from our students, uh, we've got hundreds of thousands of them that are going to walk into to golf techs this year. We know what they shoot, where they hit a ball, and then we have all of their 3D data. So it's very easy to see patterns of people who shoot in the 90s versus 80s versus 70s versus our tour average model. All that just makes for great study of golf, and it, uh, all that info you can get as a golf tech coach. So so what you gave us, I like the stuff about most people don't realize how much you have to turn how early. I like the early part in there because, I, you know, yeah. obviously in my teaching I'm big. I like to get the trunk turning and – and 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 winding the body going back and and, and it's amazing yep. how many people when you do that are like well hell I, I got to turn that much like you know when you get in and move the wait what no, no way I move you got to move that much right yeah golfers don't really know what well they don't know what to do they mm-hmm. don't know what they do and they don't know how to do it right That's right why they come to you for help those three things some of them think they know one they or don't. two or all of those answers, but they don't because it's not something you can just learn from watching YouTube or listen to Brandel Chambly babble on Golf Channel about nothing. <laughs> you have to like really study this thing. I thought you might like that. I love but, that. Yeah, uh, in particular, <laughs> I mean, how many students do you meet that say, I can't turn my shoulders 90 degrees at the top of the swing? It's a probably a pretty massive number over the years you've taught golf mm-hmm. have said that to you. I've never met anyone that I couldn't teach to do that. Correct. Absolute zero, zero people. And I think and our job as coaches from, is to not like just assume they can't do it and find some yeah. cheap way around yeah. it. Like let's coach them and develop them to do it. Yeah, and there are different schools of thought there for sure. But I, I think if you're modeling, yeah, we're right on this one. We're right on this one. Come on. <laughs> I mean, well, come on. I agree. That's, that's we aren't I selling. We aren't selling seminars here. It's okay. Come no, on. We're trying to help. No. People. Yeah. And I don't ever sell a seminar anyway. But uh, uh, the, <laughs> the whole idea. I'm getting. I'm pissed. We're pissing everybody off today. Enough. It's okay. Hey, I like it. Uh, the whole idea of you're not flexible enough to follow the basic movements of what a someone on TV would be doing on Sunday is a total farce. It's a total lie that people uh, have been able to tell. 
people can do most of that pretty well with just a good model of how to do it. They may not be able to do it fast enough to compete with John Rahm. They might not be able to hit the ball like Rory McIlroy does, even with the three iron off the ground. But they can move around in the same type yeah. of pattern. But and, and everyone and, can do that. And if they really want to get better, Nick, right? Like this is what, like yeah. you know, I obviously do a lot with Colby Touye and Aaron McConley and Morgan Hill, like fitness experts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But like I agree, like most of them can do small versions, slow versions of that movement. And then if yeah, they really want to get better, program and, right. and if they really want to get better, we can give them exercises and drills that'll help them learn to do it bigger and faster. Exactly. I like your style. If you believe that your golf swing is derived from a motor program that's in your brain, you have to teach your brain how to move around. You can't teach your brain how to move around if you don't know exactly what the movements are, when they happen, how much they happen, and how they happen. And I think that's how the whole craze of people aren't flexible enough yeah. or fit enough to play golf Um got started was the basic movements of the swing weren't well-defined, categorized, or explained. Mm-hmm. So then even coaches and coaches or players, neither one of them understood that well enough. And still to the same degree, I rarely meet coaches that come in to, um, to learn from us. We hire a couple hundred every year. Uh, the, one of the first questions that's ever asked, have you ever used 3D to teach golf? The answer is almost always no, no because yeah. it's still hard to find. So then the you're just left with, well, I can't seem to get this to work. So it must be that they're not, there's got to be another reason. You have to uh, rationalize why someone can't do it, especially if you think you're a good teacher. And that's typically where there's been a a scapegoat. It's always on the person's body is, is messed up. And it might be to some degree, but it's mainly in the speed and the the coordination of movements that is a little bit harder for people to get relative to, John Rahm and Rory McIlroy. Right, they so, have the the basic moves. They do them fast. They do them the same way every time. They do every the the five thousand other things you need to do right to be a PGA Tour player. But your ninety shooter that uh, stands at a desk or works <laughs> all day long, they can do similar things. They just have to be taught how to do them. Love that. Now, look before I let you go. So you gave us a great backswing nugget. I loved the backswing. Give okay. give us a nugget of what on the way through on the forward swing or the through swing, what do tour players do? And then what about your five, your 15, you know, your five, your 10, your 15 and 25 handicappers. Okay. So you could start with the sagittal plane emotion. So think of if you're standing straight up and down and you bend yourself forward or backward, that, that movement, just a forward bend, backward bend. And if you think of that in two different ways, two different locations, you have your thoracic spine where your shoulders are, essentially. Um, and then you've got your pelvis, just to start with that. On the downswing, um, most people don't realize how much you're moving around in that uh, sagittal plane, that forward, backward bend. So from the top of the swing until the uh, your lead arm is parallel to the ground, on the downswing, you're bending your hips forward. And you do that from about six degrees at the top of the swing. And you bend your hips forward two more degrees until your lead arm's parallel to the ground. By the time the shaft's parallel to the ground, you've bent your hips back seven degrees relative to where they just were. At impact, you bend back five degrees more. Then when your right arm's parallel to the ground, you're bent back five degrees more, and you basically keep that the same. So there's always a forward and backward motion of golf that's never, ever discussed. And that same pattern exists in your 
um, your shoulders as well. So at the top of the swing and tour average kind of player hitting an iron is bent backward a couple degrees, two to five degrees. Then they bend forward until the shafts parallel the ground, almost in the exact same forward bend they were at address. So mm-hmm. 40 degrees forward is typically how people's shoulders are aimed towards the ground at address. 43 degrees is the tour average when the shafts parallel the ground. So you're moving your spine around all the time. You're bending yourself forward and backward from the hips and the shoulders. And then from when the shafts parallel the ground, you bend backward 9 degrees um, from that point until impact. And then from the point in impact until your right arm's parallel the ground, you're going to go back 39 more degrees. So I'm not giving the actual numbers, just the patterns of and how much someone is moving. But that that amount of moving around in the sagittal plane is not talked about well enough in any kind of golf book. It's not talked about when, if I ever search for golf instruction, it's, it's pretty rare. But to me, that's the most fundamental and basic part of golf that people need to get right. It's how to move yourself around in that sagittal plane, forward and backward, on the downswing. And almost no one could describe it, tell me how much to do it, or when it should be changing from forward to backward. Love it. I think the big thing there, we you touched on it with backswing, and we, uh, and then before it's, and when you have something and you can show somebody something, and you get in, and you actually move them. They can't, yeah. be, they can't, they can't believe how much they have to turn. Yes, right. And and I all the time I'll have somebody you know set up and have them hit whatever fifty, sixty, seventy yard shot, and I stand behind them and I help them turn like through the ball like where you're pulling their hip and their trunk, yep. keeping them in their yep. posture and they're feeling going down and then around. And they are the two things they always say is I can't believe how much I had to turn. And I can't believe yep. how early you started me going around. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's why people play golf like they do. They don't really know what to do. And that's our job as teachers to be able to do that. Yep. You're one of the best at it, Nick. Thanks. Well, first of all, we agreed on everything, but Alvin Kamara today. <laughs> Okay, take him in the second round. I, I'm I'm thinking second round this year because he's going to sit out three games. I mean, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I can bench yeah. him. Matt Rudy will trade me for somebody early, anyways, because he assume I'm going to be at the basement and I'm ready to. I didn't know if that was like a insult or a compliment when he reached out and said, "You need to unload these people to me." I think you know what that was. I know. I know what it was. I know it was a Rudy dig. But anyways, hey, thanks. One, thanks for always uh, taking my call and for the friendship and and keep up all the good work you guys are doing. It's fun to watch. You're great for the game. Uh, You do a hell of a job. Uh, Would love to come out and hang out and sit around with you and and go through some of this stuff sometime. But appreciate you sitting in with me. Oh, we will. Thanks, man. No, uh, it goes both ways. I appreciate all the support. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at The Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and The Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.